Good morning, everybody. <laughs> Good morning. Good morning. Doing my little Robin Williams there. Hey, it's June 12th, 2022, and you have the CCJTM at your hour, where productions of values go to die. If you're new to our experience, what you have here are two boomers, and one of them is CC, who's sitting across the table from me. And JT is across the table from me. And what we do is we tap away at the keyboard and come up with works of fiction and try to entertain you as best we can. Yeah, of course you have to read it, but eh, that's the weakness, weak part of our plans. We put stuff out there. Sometimes people read it, sometimes don't. But along the way, we've learned how to do some things. And so that's what the idea here is, to develop a writer's podcast so folks have an idea of our lessons learned. Yes, they may not pertain to you. Yeah, we're just trying to provide some shortcuts here. Nothing really stupendous or, you know, deeply thought out, obviously. But, you know, we're we're here for you. So we're going to, we've muddled along here for over a year doing this podcast. And we've had some hits, some misses. Some people listen to our podcast, some people don't. Eh, it's okay. Uh, we still like to take this time to sit down and sit at the table with, in front of our microphones. And we basically talk to each other. And you guys get to listen in, like last weekend. We, it was our 40th wedding anniversary, and you got to listen into some uh, some conversation about the last 40 years together, lessons learned, things we did together, things should have probably known better, but you know, that's, that's how it is. Experience is something you need when you don't have it, so <laughs> that's, that's how it is. Um, before we dive into this week's interesting subject, where I think uh, CC will be taking the lead because honestly, she's done all the research, uh, we'll bring her up to speed on our writing endeavors. Uh, very quickly, is it's at the end of the month on July one, I will be releasing a book out onto the interwebs via Amazon. You can look me up at JT Hume on the Amazon thing, and you can also look at our website at CarsonHume.com. And you can see uh, what's going on there with the book. And it is the G sequel with a pretty bright color, a uh, cover, excuse me, the pretty bright cover. And so it's out there for your reading pleasure. There's also a chapter available out on the Patreon, and all those are linked together to give you something to look at. So we would appreciate if you do that. So the second book project that we're doing is sort of leads into what we're talking about today is our joint book. Uh, a few weeks ago, we saw a movie, um, The Lost City, and we thought, boy, if they can get rich off doing stuff like that, why can't we? <laughs> so Cece and I are writing a joint book together. Uh, it's Project Stupid Cells. That's a working title. We haven't figured out what, it is, what it's, what it's going to be called yet. Probably something like The Sledhead and the Princess or something dumb like that. Or, or The Frozen Heart. Or, the frozen you know, Heart. You know, something, melting the Frozen Heart. Yeah, you know, something really, you know, just... Ridiculous. Yeah. You know, it, that'll appeal to the masses. Um, we're up to how many words now? We're coming in on 20,000 after just a week's worth of work. Yeah, so what it is is one chapter, one chapter, and we go back and forth. And, and so we, you know, we're just going to have fun with it. And probably it's not going to, as I said, no deep thinking here, nothing, nothing fantastical, just something simple. And we'll just put it out there to say that. We, and if you think of anything that I may have missed. Well, I just wanted to say that the, the idea behind this was that um, I take the heroine's point of view and you take the hero's point of view so we get two distinctly different characters and play around with that and see what kind of um, hijinks ensue basically and it's a uh, it's both a writing exercise and a little bit of a couple's exercise I think to yeah, see we're, how 
again, we are learning things that we didn't know each, about each other even after 40 years of wedded bliss. The happiest <laughs> wedded bliss ever. You, what, you're looking at me? You think I'm being a sarcastic? I can't really see you through the gloom. We have a bit of an atmosphere going in here this yeah, morning. We the, yeah, we, we didn't turn on the lights and it's kind of overcast, so it's gloomy. So. It is gloomy. Uh, let's dive into this week's interesting uh, ICC. And it's going to be couples, uh, couples in writing. Now, uh, and uh, CC did the research on this, just talking about it before the the uh, podcast. And you were saying that, if I remember correctly, you said something like it was difficult to find two couple, two people married as a couple who actually wrote. There are a lot of couples who were writing and came together after they started writing. Um, I think our case was a little bit different in that we probably started writing seriously more after we became a couple. Uh, some of them were very well known in the case of the Shelleys, mm -hmm. Mary and Percy, but um, others, you know, they're known to a very select group of people who are into, um, you know, particular genres. And that's, a, that's an important point of this podcast because uh, I only knew like two or three to begin with. And so this is probably a podcast that's going to be for a select slice of our listenership because... Um, these couples are not really well known. Now, I knew Percy Shelley mm -hmm. before Mary Shelley. Right. And then I had to study Mary Shelley in, right. in college. Like all English minors, you have to read Frankenstein and you have to spend an entire semester going over Frankenstein. Whoa. But it was a very interesting book. I, f I, f I found it fun and interesting and very, um, I'm, and I understand why it is a key factor of a college uh, English class. But, um, you know, outside that, there, there were, I did, was not aware of that many couples. Right. And I'm going to put my caveat up front, which I've mentioned this morning. Uh, my caveat up in front is sometimes I wonder if sometimes the male basically took the credit for the, the two people, you know, in an age women were not empowered. Right. And uh, Mary Shelley is a good example of an empowered, very early empowered author or authoress, if you want to go uh, gendered. But the the idea actually was just behind, you know, since you and I are both writers and have been writers throughout our entire marriage, the I wondered how many other couples were both writers. And I did come up with various lists that... Uh, you know, some were incredibly long. A lot of them were written around Valentine's Day because, you know, people love relationship stories around Valentine's Day. And what's more romantic than two writers who are married? I mean, that sounds like a plot to a, um, I don't know, a Nora Ephron movie or something, you know, yeah, I'm something. I'm surprised they haven't made a bad movie about that. Or maybe they have, because of course. I think they have. I well, think they have. I think The Thin Man is what you're referring to. Also, if we're thinking of real people, who's afraid of Virginia Woolf? Yeah. I mean, I did not realize that Virginia Woolf's husband was also a writer. Yeah. So in that case, it was the woman who, in my in my experience, was more well known. But yeah, and that's that brings up a point because it it depends on who you're talking to as yes. to who's the more famous. Because obviously, you're talking about Stephen and Tabitha King. Mm -hmm. I would suspect that the overwhelming majority of the world think King is the more famous. But right. to Stephen King, probably Tabitha King is more famous. Whereas, uh, you know, whereas with Percy and Mary. I, I couldn't even tell you who's more famous because they wrote in different genres. And so I would think that probably Mary is more famous because, you know, of the movies and everything and the popular media. 
whereas Percy was no slouch himself. But I don't know if he has the same fame that he that uh, Mary has today. So it really, the answer is who's more famous. Really, it depends. Yes, and that's basically the case in anything we're going to discuss. It can all be very subjective depending on the person. Some people may never have heard of any of these authors, you know, because there are some people who are just not, um, I mean, they don't read like the literary classics or the pop culture classics. They just tend to read whatever they think is fun or, you know, maybe they're not even into novels or poetry or in some case, uh, there are a couple of philosophers. Okay, so who'd you find? Okay, so... I am looking at a HuffPost article. This is from uh, April of 2014, so it's a few years old. But I mean, obviously, there may be more recent couples that um, are not included in this one. So to start with, the, let me give you the, the first paragraph of this article because I think it's very interesting. It's common to think of great writers as congenital loners. The iconic, isolated genius, too egotistical or socially inept to have fulfilling personal relationships. If a writer does have a spouse or partner, we imagine they would choose someone wholly different from themselves, preferably someone who entirely uninterested in writing so that the genius can work undisturbed. Now, I find that interesting because we have talked about writing being a solitary uh, adventure, basically. But we also have mentioned that you cannot write a book alone because you need editors and proofreaders. And a lot of times, in one case, they talk about uh, Samuel and Olivia Clemens. Otherwise, you would know Samuel Clemens is Mark Twain. And Olivia is mentioned as his partner in writing. Uh, but she was more of his editor. She didn't seem to write for herself. So um, that's a caveat that... Some of these may be, I believe that's the only one here where the person, the second person in the couple wasn't officially a writer, but, uh, you know, kind of the common in, especially in media, you see the writer, you know, in a corner or they're in a solitary house in the woods or something trying to get peace and quiet to do writing. And uh, I don't know if that's often the case. Yeah. And again, we're going to go back to what I said earlier about uh, you know, writing in the particular times where there was not woman empowerment. And so it was expected that the woman would support the man's career. And, and so so when we hear like Samuel and Olivia Clemens, which is even, you know, I believe stretched into the century, lived that long, but it's, he did. He did. So it's so even even, you know, even within the last hundred hundred or so years, uh, it was still expected that the woman would support the man and the man would be out front earning the, the major keep. Therefore, he would both be in their uh, respectable uh, positions. Um, who else? Well, while we're talking about Sam and Olivia, let me get back to their section here and find them. Oh, there we go. So uh, Sam met Olivia in 1867, so 19th century. And it says that uh, they married in 1870. And Olivia Clemens became her husband's editor, assisting him with finishing his books and articles. Though frail and frequently in ill health, Olivia was well-educated and intelligent, making her an ideal spouse for a prominent author. So it's that kind of situation we talked about where she could have been something more well-known in her own life, but she was overshadowed by her husband's fame and the fact that she was probably not really capable of going out and earning her own living or writing her own book. You know, maybe she was instead, but she'd do that work herself because of her health. And we also have to remember, too, that, you know, women authors were the exception, not the rule. They were unique. They were, uh, they were you know, the unicorn of the literary world. So 
you know, we not you not nothing like today, of course, nothing like today. But you know, a hundred, hundred thirty years ago, hundred fifty years ago, uh, the women were the women writers were the unicorn of the writing world, and some even took men's name in order to get published. What else? So mentioning the woman who took a male name in order to publish, they mention I can find them here: George Eliot mm-hmm. and George Henry Lewes. So George Eliot obviously was a pseudonym for a woman. I'm wondering if she took the name George because that was also her partner's name. But um, he wrote, George Henry Lewes was a philosopher and critic, and he did publish some, some fiction. He actually was very supportive, apparently, of his female partner's work uh, in a time when women's careers were rare, rarely taken seriously. And this is, I'm quoting the article here. So uh, they were a couple, even though it was a situation where he could not divorce his first wife, so they were not married. And that, that can play into some of these things, too, because the, one of the running themes in this article is that the um, kind of the author's personality can be very volatile, and some of these relationships were not maybe the healthiest thing. And that is something else that we could talk about just later on, maybe. But the, um, she wrote... Uh, and again, this is subjective. You may or may not have heard of these books, but Middlemarch and Silas Marner. And I think most people, at least, especially if you've taken English, you've heard of Silas Marner. George Eliot is famous. Yes, yes. But again, to a segment of the population, because there are people who are not what, you know, the educated, quote, air quotes, would consider well-read. So it, did, it does depend on your reading background. So that is a case where uh, the woman did take a male pseudonym in order to be published because at the time they were not publishing women and um, anyone who's watched Little Women you know the whole uh, Joe writing she did go through a period where she wrote under another a male name and uh, she wrote some bad stuff during that time period so well that's fiction but the 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 writer the writer she did also, Little Women. Yeah, that was was it was said that that was semi biographical because right. and so to so to show that her struggles. Yes. Now of course she was writing alone, but so we don't get yes. away. But, no. but she was inspired by a you know and eventually in fiction married another writer. Yes. Okay. Uh, anyway, else? let's go back to the list. Uh, let's see. The first couple on the list that they mention is Vladimir, Vladimir Nabokov and his wife Vera. Now um, people who know. Nobokov know that he wrote a very controversial book called Lolita, which is basically pedophilia. He had a very unhealthy obsession. I think we discussed Lolita in an earlier podcast too, but um, that book was considered to be obscene and pornographic for very good reasons. And he and his wife were married for more than 50 years. Um, They say his wife, they being this article, whoever authored the HuffPost article here, said that uh, his wife was a brilliant woman whose significant contributions to his oeuvre are easy to overlook, but ultimately undeniable. So again, the woman behind the man, um, while most people have heard of him because the book was very controversial, and even people who don't read that type of literature have heard of it because of the controversy. The, uh, the, the, you know, I don't know that many people actually knew her name or knew that he was married in some cases, because there were authors, you know, very famous male authors who were not married, and, you know, they chose to spend their lives alone. So the Vladimir and Vera Nabokov was one couple. Then we've already discussed George Eliot. Um, 
Another very famous one, and a lot of people will know this one, even if you haven't read the original source material, but you may be more familiar with the movie, the recent movie, um, The Great Gatsby, is F. Scott Fitzgerald and his wife Zelda. In that case, they are both authors. Uh, Zelda did have a lot of fights with mental illness, and um, I was interested in reading this little excerpt about the two of them in that uh, she kept some journals and he tended to steal from her, his, her journals to put things into his writing. So some of what he actually presented in his books was her original writing from her journals. And she didn't really appreciate that. So she actually went later and, uh, let's see, she wrote a novel called Save Me the Waltz. And I believe that was heavily influenced by her journals. He got upset with her for doing that and uh, came back and wrote Tender is the Night. So you get, if you read those two novels, um, according to this article, it's saying if you read the two of those, you get both sides of their relationship, basically. So that could be a very interesting reading um, assignment for yourself, is to read both of those and see how each one of them looked at their relationship. And it sounds like it was a very volatile relationship, um, probably a, in large part due to her mental health issues, because I believe at one point she may have been um, sent to a facility or something along those lines, or she was kind of pushed to the side. Uh, yeah, and I'm always cautious when I read in those times, and this yes. was the early 20th century. I'm always cautious in those times when I hear about women that are sent to extended care facilities like a hospital like that, because uh, sometimes it was a ploy by the, the husband to right. remove the, the wife from the picture, could live the life they prefer. Now, that's not always true. Of course, that's a wide brush that I'm trying to do there. But I'm always right. I'm always cautious when I hear that, you know, people being sent to uh, mental health facilities for X, Y, Z reason, because, uh, it, you know, reading it in a two-dimensional book when we're talking about three-dimensional lives yeah, that's that's I, I always want to I always step carefully when I when I hear things like that. And that is a very good point, because uh, primary source material will show that women were incarcerated in mental facilities for various reasons, like women's health issues. Yeah. So, you know, um, basically she's cranky at that time of the month. So let's lock her up or they would make up some random thing and just get her out of the way. So that's a very good point to make um, her mental health struggles may have been overblown and we don't really know that for sure but he was he tends to be the more well-known duo and we, we could probably learn more if we didn't study but this is we're in the shallow end of the pool here we're not right. in the deep end of the pool we're just talking about the subject yes uh, what else did you find so uh, i believe we already mentioned her but virginia and leonard wolf um and the very famous movie who's afraid of virginia wolf starring elizabeth taylor i believe richard burton was mm -hmm. in that one also speaking of volatile relationships oh. but the um so in this case virginia wolf was the more well-known of the two and this was toward the mid 20th century i believe mm -hmm. like the 40s 50s um but they call led called leonard a renaissance man who dabbled skillfully in writing, editing, politics, and business, though none of his work has been as well remembered as wife's. Um, her talent was more concentrated and more uncommon. During their mar marriage, she published modern excuse me, <laughs> modernist classics, including To the Lighthouse and Mrs. Dalloway. So, again, in uh, so-called well-read circles, those are very well-known books. But the... Um, it does sound like he was very supportive of her career. He fulfilled what we might consider the more male role of the couple, but uh, he was very well, um, I don't know, he was 
he was uh on words he was very successful in his own pursuits right. just not as well known so um unfortunately that's a case where virginia may also have had some serious mental health aside so again another very volatile relationship then we have joan didion and john gregory dunn so most people in well-read circles and we're using well-read just as a subjective term here um they would know Joan Didion probably better than uh, John Dunn. And again, I believe John Dunn is a familiar name in writing, but for a previous writer, like an early philosophy, 17th century, I think his name may have also been John Dunn, but it was spelled with an O. And, and side note, uh, so he is quoted, John Dunn is quoted as saying that they were each other's first readers. And even in relationships where both of them both sides of the couple aren't uh, authors. They will very often read each other's works and make comments, perform that maybe early editorial aspect. But um, when he passed away, she wrote actually about her process. And she wrote a book called The Year of Magical Thinking to where she went to grips with the loss of her partner. They were both novelists and essayists and uh, wrote screenplays, which is something a lot more recent. So earlier authors obviously wouldn't have had that opportunity, though there may have been author, um, author couples maybe who wrote plays together. That's something I didn't come across. But um, in this one, the author of the article mentions their complete lack of competitiveness and sense of shared purpose in their marriage. So in this case, it's a little bit more of a um, partnership. You know, partnership. They were happy with each other. They were content. Maybe they were more self-assured in themselves so that they didn't feel like they needed to compete over each other to show their, that they were successful. Uh, let's, let's go back to one of the ones, probably one of the authors we mention on this podcast the most often would be Stephen King and uh, his wife, Tabitha. And as you mentioned, Stephen might think that Tabitha is more successful of the two. Tabitha is really maybe the reason Stephen King is who he is today because he had scrapped, I believe, Carrie. Mm -hmm. um, just thought it was absolute garbage. She, as the story goes, she fished it out of the trash and encouraged him to try to publish it. And that was where he got his first big success because he had done newsletters and things like that. He worked it as an English instructor, I believe. And so he was, you know, the typical struggling author and felt like his work wasn't worth anything. And his wife very famously encouraged him to become the man that he is. I mean, obviously his talent was what the uh, publishing industry saw and what the public enjoys, but she was the one who kind of helped him past that, oh, I can't write anything but garbage, you know, which most authors through at some point, you go back and you reread your first draft or whatever and think it's absolute trash and it ends up in the circular file. So um, he credits her basically for his career. And we just need to do a quick side note here that they also gave birth to a writer, Joe Hill, who writes under, that's his pseudonym, of yes. course. So he writes under Joe Hill. Uh, so we're talking about a family of writers here. Yes. Uh, and uh, more? Uh, well, we did mention Percy and Mary Shelley. Mary obviously wrote Frankenstein and she was very influential in creating the science fiction genre. Um, Percy was an intimate of Lord Byron, uh, running in those poetic circles at the time. Percy Shelley is someone that um, I've always imagined as one of the more 
effeminate or foppish looking men of that era that preferred to dress in a certain way and caveating this that this is cc's image my image you know the the romantic hero with the big flowing shirt you know and that type of thing and when i've written written read excuse me some historical novels where they do mention lord byron and percy shelley in those terms kind of as that you know, they, they provide you that image. I'm not saying that's what really happened. That's the image that was projected of them. So at the time, he was very known, well-known in his circles. He did hang out with Lord Byron, and he was well-known in his own right, and there was a following for them, for their poetry. So um, maybe in modern circles, he's not quite as well-known as Mary, but he was very well-known in his own right at the time. And let's see here. Um, they do mention, oh, Here's a very interesting one. Anyone who is familiar with beat poetry, the 1950s, uh, there was a very interesting circle of people involved in beat poetry. And I did not realize this until I read this article, but Allen Ginsberg had a partner named Peter Orlovsky. They were both poets. Um, all, obviously, Ginsberg is probably the better known of the two during that beat poet era because they did hang out with people like Jack Kerouac. And uh, so they, they actually met and uh, remained together from 1954 to 1997. They were a very long-term couple. They did both write. Ginsburg obviously became very well-known in the 50s during the Beat Poet era, uh, but uh, Orlovsky, he kind of thought of himself as a poet, but then Ginsburg encouraged him to actually, to actually think with it. So they were, um, they were both very central characters in the Beat and if you are not familiar with beat poetry, that is something, if you get a chance to take a class like that, it can be very interesting. And I actually took a class, it wasn't a poetry class, but it was a um, philosophy class where my instructor actually was kind of on the periphery of the beat poet era. And he knew, or he hung out with some of those beat poets. And so I heard some very interesting backstories based on his experiences. But that I found them an interesting couple because that's not something that we really think about. We think about, you know, the male-female dynamic versus these are gay men uh, in the 1950s, both exploring poetry. And they spent quite a few years, was that uh, 40-something years as a couple. So um, I think that was a great... Uh, you know, kind of a great way to wrap up the idea of two authors working together as a couple. So that brings up the inevitable and obvious. Why aren't there more? Why aren't there more couples? We've mentioned one of those reasons, of course, already, is for much of the literary age, when we're talking, you know, and forgive us for being, you know, English-centric, but that's, that's, our, that's our training, and that's our education, that's our upbringing. For most of the era that we were exposed to, again, just saying that uh, the man, man the lead, the woman took the supporting lead, and that didn't really change, you know, in mass until, you know, the 20th century really got rolling. And now there's women authors, more women authors than you can shake a stick at. So, but why aren't there more successful couples? Well, first of all, to become a successful writer or even to become a writer is an uphill climb to begin with. It's a difficult, it's a difficult task just to write and publish. Even self-published difficulty is difficult to become a published writer, a well-known writer. You're talking about the summit of the literary world. And to have two people uh, married in a partnership, in a relationship, 
even when one is already famous and then bringing the other one up is also is equally rare because that person does have to stand by themselves even though they are in a partnership to some degree because if they can't stand by themselves then they're always going to be looked upon in, as in a supporting role here in the 21st century so it's so i i am guesstimating here the reason that we don't see many more of these couples because a it's hard to be a writer in the first place b it's hard to be a famous writer in the second place and c one, two, three, A, B, C. And uh, third, uh, to become a famous couple, uh, gain that kind of uh, fame is probably more complex because then you have to deal with the dynamics of the partnership in a public stage. And the we see that with a lot of famous couples in you know, a variety of industries. You think of maybe Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz. They were both very well known in their own right, but really Lucille Ball eclipsed Desi even though Desi did things like um, he pioneered the multi-camera process and the sitcom format with laugh tracks and things like that. So, you know, he was very intelligent and he was very good at what he did. And a lot of the things that he did were overshadowed by her fame as a comedian. So, and that's similar to the writing process where, as you said, you know, one author may already be well-known and they're kind of pulling along their partner who maybe didn't have the self-confidence in the first place, but they had the talent. And since they were mentored by their more famous partner, um, they're always kind of looked at as the shadow of that partner. But there are people, especially in more modern times, where they're both very successful authors in their own right. And... Um, I believe something else you mentioned when we were kind of pre-discussing this idea was that uh, maybe some couples have written together under a single pseudonym Mm -hmm. and have chosen um, just to be a unit and to be recognized as one person instead of um, differentiating themselves in that relationship. Yeah, writing is difficult for partnership. And I think in order for a writer to be so, you need to have somebody there. You know, basically, it's just like raising kids. You, you, you just can't be successful and do it by yourself unless, you, unless you're very, very fortunate, very, very lucky. Or um, it's something that you put all of your energy into. I want to be very care- careful here about painting with that wide brush again. But, you know, writing a book is like raising a child, and it's uh, it's your baby after mm-hmm. a while. And so doing that entire task by yourself is an incredible task. So having a partner is, you know, definitely, definitely something that, uh, that well, I'm, I'm meandering here now, but it is definitely something that can only help you uh, get your book out in the public. And having two people do it while balancing all of life's, you know, challenges with family, uh, possibly a day job possibly fame, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, is, is, is something that I can only respect. And then there be, the relationship aspect of that is that you do have, in a lot of cases, very volatile people because writers, you know, we do tend to be solitary, um, at least in our situation. I think we're both very introverted. We don't enjoy large gatherings. We don't enjoy being out in public a lot. We prefer to be kind of in our quiet spaces. Even when we're together a lot of the time, we're uh, we're doing separate things. We're we're being companions in the same space, but we're doing our you know personal pursuits. So we're kind of off in our own little world. Yeah. Um, so that happens in the writing arena too, because you know the authors may be writing in completely different genres. They're living in the same space, but they're not really working together on things. Yeah, like everything with the human experience, it's complex. It is very complex, but the. My initial thought in actually looking this up in the first place was I was wondering how many couples 
who were both authors, had co-authored books together. And I wasn't able to find a lot of that. And it may go back to something like you said, where they both chose to use a single pseudonym. Or, um, you know, maybe they just couldn't get together. Their interests were too different to write something together. And the, so, and the, the idea that the independent woman writer is generally a, is a relatively new concept. Yes, so, yes. Um, I think we got this one. Is there any, uh, conclu- any other conclusion you want to throw out there? Well, um, going back to that first paragraph from the article where it mentioned writing as a solitary career and, you know, maybe a writer would not want to be in a relationship with another writer because of, you know, they want to be alone and they want to be left to their own. And I think you explained it very well. It's that it's very helpful to have a partner who, if they don't actually help you write, they will at least support you write and they, your writing and they will understand uh, what you need to get your writing done. And they might actually edit or something instead of writing in their own but uh it does take two or more people to to actually put out a written work yeah, writing is a, something is a solitary t- task completed in a room full of people uh so so we ask you the the listener are we full of crap are we full of hooey because we're talking about our experiences we refer to a huff post link which by the way i want to put it in the, the blog post of course yes uh but um, our, our, our um, you know, guesses, our, our suggestions, our anything that we've said outside of that, are, are, are they valid? Uh, push back on us if you don't feel, think that they are, especially if you are a writer, because we'd like to hear about your experience, and you can do that through our comments page, and we'll put it in a future podcast. I think we've wrapped that up pretty good. Is there anything else you want to throw out there? No, just uh, if you have any questions about our current project that we are co-writing, maybe we would answer some of those in a future podcast if you're interested in hearing about that process and how it's going, or we may just discuss that. Yeah, that may be, I think that will definitely be your podcast. Okay, Uh, so you can hear this podcast and you can hear our blog posts and all of that stuff via our webpage at carsonhume.com, carsonhume.com. Please hit our webpage. It's lonely out there. It needs hits. It's it, it misses you. <laughs> <laughs> and also, there there's a Patreon out there, patreon.com forward slash JT Hume, where I've started to put my book out there. And, uh, you know, we are out there in the interwebs uh, on the social media. Uh, CC does the uh, does the Instagram thing, and I do the Twitter thing, and you reach those links also through our contact page. We do a weekly podcast. Sometimes we talk about writing. Sometimes we talk all about us. Sorry, but that's just the way it is. And we're going to keep plugging away at this. We don't have a subject for next week, but we'll figure it out when we get there. Anything? No, I think that covers it. Okay, we hope everybody's doing well. Keep healthy, wear a mask, and uh, we're thinking of you. Take care of yourselves. Have a great week.